RadioInfluence.com. The Woking Dead get a burial they deserve from author A.J. Rice on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. There are movers, and then there are shakers. Combine the two, and you have our guest. Wonder what I mean? Well, let's get into it. The music industry has a rich history of behind-the-scenes songwriters who went on to become major recording artists. Thinking of that tradition, I'm very thankful to AJ and his Publius PR firm for pitching and delivering Naomi Wolf, Dr. Ben Carson, and Peter Navarro to be guests on my podcast. But it didn't stop there, as AJ, PR maven, is now AJ, acclaimed writer. And that's not all. Formerly the executive producer for many of today's most celebrated personalities, he's currently a columnist for more than 25 national media outlets, including The Hill, The Epic Times, Newsmax, and Investors Business Daily. He's the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, The Woking Dead, subtitle, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. I welcome to the broadcast the CEO of Publius PR, Mr. A.J. Rice. A.J., how are you? Brother Gary, good to be here, my friend. Really good. You're you're great. It's finally, yeah, we've been emailing back and forth for months, and as we finally get to uh, get together and and let's do this. Uh, Before we get into you and um, everything that you're involved with, uh, last night was the midterms, and it didn't seem to work out the way we thought. Can you give me your impressions of what you think went down as of the way it stands with several races still waiting to be called, but it didn't look like a good night for the home team. Well, uh, well, I would say we were the away team because we were That's trying, true. To ca- trying to capture things. But I think we're going to retire Pelosi. I think uh, San Fran Nan is going to go into retirement. She might head over to, to Italy to get more of our taxpayer money, uh, you know, with her husband. Uh, he can drive her around Tuscany, a little bottle of Chianti in hand. Um, and be the Italian ambassador. But I think I think Pelosi's days are numbered. Um, I think that the future arrived uh, last night um, faster than maybe we thought. I would say that uh, and I'm in, I'm, you know, across the river here from the swamp in Virginia. And, you know, it looks like the Republicans were able to pick off one out of three of the big races that they were trying to take. I think we're going to take back the House. I don't think that's going to be in dispute. Here's the thing, though, because of the census and because of gerrymandering, a lot of these districts aren't going to go through wild swings anymore. They're tighter. And you're going to have people winning by 4,000 one way, 2,000 another. So there's going to be less and you'll have a, a smaller majority going forward, no matter who's in charge. So some people might say, well, that might be a good thing because then people will have to work together. Um, but and no one will have a mandate. But, you know, I guess with with Kevin McCarthy, I, I mean, yeah. if he didn't if he didn't deliver this giant wave, maybe he's vulnerable. If the Republicans do end up being in charge of the speakership in the House, 
you know, the American people are going to have to ask themselves a question. Do you want to do you want to move the Speaker of the House from one part of California to another? Or do you want, you know, a wartime speaker? Because the Democrats, the lesson they're going to take from this is uh, wokeism is working. This left wing radical garbage is working. Cultural Marxism is all the rage. Um, I mean, look at this character. And look, I'm from Philly, so I'm, it's an embarrassment. The fact that Carl, the character from Sling Blade, won <laughs> U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania last night. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, look, they're using the same voting machines they were using two years ago. It looks like the shenanigans last night were taking place in the same place they were taking they were taking place two years ago. Some Georgia shenanigans, some Arizona shenanigans, some Pennsylvania shenanigans. I mean, look, I know Pennsylvania. Yeah, you got Pittsburgh and Philly, uh, but most counties are red. I, I maybe Dr. Oz just didn't connect. I mean, he's, you know, he kind of parachuted in there, and I could tell you as an Eagles, Phillies, Sixers, Flyers fan. We're a very parochial bunch, you know. Um, we 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 we're homers. We're homers. So you have to really be awful if you're from Philadelphia to get booed by us. So you know, if you're Jill Biden, maybe you'll get booed at a Phillies game. But what we don't like is people carpetbagging in and parachuting in. With that said, I mean Uncle Festerman. I mean, <laughs> if that. If that is the best and brightest that Pennsylvania Democrat Party has to offer, I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, we got some problems. So here's what I'm hearing. And, you know, your audience should know I run a PR firm. I've got connective tissue everywhere. There's three Republican uh, excuses out there. One is the, the and the technocrats are basically saying, like I just said, well, Census and gerrymandering are going to make it harder for waves to happen. I mean, look, let's face it. In 2018, they, they said there was going to be a blue wave. And yes, they took back the House, but they didn't take back the Senate in those midterms. McConnell held on to the Senate and was able to, to get Kavanaugh and Barrett and all kinds of people through because of that. Um, and then this time, it may just be the House that goes and maybe they hold on to the Senate. So you know, there wasn't a blue wave in 18. There's not a red wave here. So the technocrats, the people that follow the numbers and they try to, you know, say not partisan, that's their answer. Now, the never Trumpers are already out there. OK, they're already out there. Trump is a liability. He's become a distraction. Uh, a lot of the Bush bots uh, are on TV saying that um, some of these phony, you know, people that think that. You know, guys like Asa Hutchinson, who couldn't get elected dog catcher outside <laughs> of Arkansas. He couldn't get elected dog catcher outside of Arkansas. You know, some of these goofballs think that the clock got turned back and that somehow, you know, these sort of stale Romney-McCain types are going to be ascending just because, look, here's the thing with Trump, and I love him. He makes people very emotional. Yes. Both directions. So... He's running. I just saw a report from the Daily Mail saying, you know, some people are he's, you know, not very happy. And some people might have gotten scalped last night down there at Mar-a-Lago. But, um, you know, we're going to see Act Three. I, I hate to say it, but, you know, it might be Act Three of Macbeth, but we're going <laughs> to 
we're going to see Act Three, and I'm 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 reminded of something. Um, and he is emotional, but I'm reminded of a line from The Dark Knight, uh, the Batman movie that you know broke box office records, and that that line was. Either you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Because people are going to start pushing DeSantis now. As the heir apparent, you know, I've got, I know some people close to DeSantis. Um, so, you know, then you have those, you have those people too. So, you know, there's, there's going to be a lot of uh, finger pointing here. You know, we, but we got to make sure the government's divided. We need to make sure we take the house. I don't care if it's by one seat, okay? Because this, we at least have to stop the madness, right? So, I, I think we will. I think Pelosi uh, will send her on her broomstick uh, into retirement. So that's sort of my take. You know, things are still developing. Some of these races we might not know about till, you know, January, um, unfortunately. You know, some of these states are run like, you know, some third world, uh, you know, tin pot, Goofy, you know, kangaroo court. So it's a banana republic states. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I will say this. I was waiting for DeSantis to hold my book up last night. He went, <laughs> he went on a he went on a tirade. And I look, he has a copy. His staff have copies. They were all sent copies. You know, we know some people there. Um, but he basically said Florida is where woke goes to die. Now, right about we, that. If we can export that to the other 49 Petri dishes, uh, I think that will be good. I hear you. And people, uh, AJ is being humble here. It's funny. When AJ says he knows people and when he says he has sources, uh, this man means it. Uh, I'm just going to list some of the people whose shows he's either produced or promoted. We have Laura Ingram, we have Judge Jeanine Pyro, we have Donald Trump Jr., Mark Meadows, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Dan Bongino, the late Charles Krauthammer. Uh, we have uh, Michael Savage, the Hodgson twins, this goes on, Buck Sexton, Steve Hilton, Aaron, Alan Dershowitz, Lauren Boebert, Pete Hedseth, Newt Gingrich, Victor David Hansen. We have four people who have been guests on this show. Peter Navarro, Dr. Naomi Wolf, Dr. Ben Carson, and Monica Crowley, the conservative warrior princess. This man is connected. And I remember when your book came out back in July, and I'm happy for the immediate success, you call it a survival handbook, one that takes on the mind-snatching menace known as woke culture. What is the premise of the book, and why did you write it? And I assume when you're saying woke culture, one of the things that you do want to bring out is that this movement is out to destroy all vestiges of Western civilization. Absolutely. So you mentioned Laura and Monica. They pretty much plucked me from the river like Moses. I mean, they're like my surrogate sisters. I was I was raised by two she-wolves, and their names are Monica and Laura. And believe me, <laughs> they're a little different. They have little different styles, like fire and ice. Um, but they're, uh, you know, they gave me blurbs for the book. Um, Laura, I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them later. Yeah. yeah. So uh, one thing that they always instilled in me um, and former, you know, my former friend and mentor, Andrew Breitbart, uh, used to say it and Rush used to say it, is that the American people are downstream from culture more than politics. 
And if you affect their culture, you affect their lives more than, say, some guy sitting in Georgia caring about, you know, who wins Congressional District 1 in Iowa. Um, so what I've noticed here, really since the last, and this is the reason I wrote the book, um, since the second Obama term, is that we are going through this authoritarian dress rehearsal in this country. And it really is three different types of tyrannies, a medical tyranny, a cultural one, and now because of Biden, a financial one. Um, but the cultural tyranny even predates COVID in the sense that we've always had political correctness. We've always had the nanny state, you know, where they're going to come and they're going to, you know, Michael Bloomberg is going to take the big gulp and they're going to snatch the cigar out of your mouth. And, you know, Michelle Obama's got this lunch program where she's starving the children of America. And, you know, we've always had that. You got, you know, political correctness spins up. I think the last time was with the Murphy Brown pantsuit women that were telling <laughs> us, they were telling us what to think and where to go and how to act, uh, how to talk and how to address them in, in, in the workplace. Um, so we've had this. And but wokeness is very different than political correctness in the sense that it's like Baskin and Robbins. It's got, you know, 31 flavors. And uh, the biggest ones, cancel culture, critical race theory, the 1619 Project, all this talk about the patriarchy and people being triggered and safe spaces. I mean, it's chaotic. It's chaotic. And the reason it's chaotic is because it's in the culture. You see, 100 years ago, when Marxism was ascendant in a lot of places, um, when they looked around here in the United States, it dawned on them that they weren't going to get a workers' revolt. They weren't going to get a bunch of carpenters and longshoremen and plumbers to overthrow the government because we had a vibrant middle class. And as your audience knows, most of the time when Marxism wins, it wins in places that you basically have a, a peasant revolt. You have the serfs rising up, overthrowing some king or some autocrat like in Cuba, you know, uh, some colonial power like in Vietnam. That's usually, or the Romanovs, right? In Russia became the USSR. So, but we don't have that here. So the, the Marxists, the cultural Marxists, because that's what they are, they sit back and they say, well, well, how do we do this? Here's how. They do the long march through the institutions. So they invade, you know, uh, early radio, the silent picture industry, Broadway, academia, from kindergarten to law school. They get into the newspaper business. They get into the, the Democrat Party of Margaret Sanger and Woodrow Wilson. And then if you fast forward 100 years, I mean, look, these are the same people we're fighting today. They're at Disney. They're in the NBA. They're still in the Democrat Party. The only difference, of course, is that they have one thing that 100 years ago they didn't have. Big and tech. Big, big tech. Absolutely. They've <laughs> got big tech. And big tech is the digital brown shirts. That's their force field. That's what kind of holds them together. Now, you know, guys like Elon Musk know this. And, you know, maybe he'll help, you know, even the odds. But, you know, 100 years ago, you couldn't just censor, you know, George Orwell or Ernest Hemingway or Mark Twain. You had to shut down printing presses and file laws. I mean, you you had to go through all kinds of things. Whereas today, if you're using Amazon servers like Parler was, you could get knocked offline. You could get knocked right offline uh, at the blink of an eye. So, that's what we're up against. The Woking Dead are the people that go along with this mindlessly. And we look, I mean, 
Look at them last night. I mean, if there's ever an example of the Woking Dead, look at John Fetterman. I mean, he is like a, he's like a cave troll mixed with a zombie. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. People just going into the voting booths blindly, just pulling the D button or filling it in or whatever the hell they're doing. I mean, that's what we're up against. There's no spirited debate. There's not enough free speech absolutist Democrats left. Right. You got a few guys. Right. And girls. You got Bill Maher. You got some comedians like Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle. Um, I mean, they're out there. But by and large, Hollywood, most of the media, they have bought into this garbage. But I believe, have no fear, this is the tyranny of the minority. I don't believe run-of-the-mill people are going to just buy into this wholesale. Um, And Ron DeSantis, you know, he can lead the way. I mean, the fact that Miami-Dade County School District flipped a couple Mm -hmm. months ago, and then Miami-Dade voters flipped from blue to red. Palm Beach County flipped from blue to red. I mean, I looked at a map of Florida last night. There's like four blue counties left. And it's Tallahassee, Orlando, Broward, and maybe one more. Uh, I mean, maybe that's it. Part so, of Miami, part of Miami-Dade. No, well, yeah, well, that, Dade was red last night. The, the Florida oh. Keys, the Florida mm. Keys were red. Tampa was red. Just crazy. So look, if you can replicate that blueprint of Florida, then you can lead a true insurrection to take back your homes, take back your churches, take back your entertainment. Really, take back your joy. Right, take back your joy. Let me tell you something. I was the biggest Whoopi Goldberg fan ever, okay? I'm a giant geek. I loved her on Star Trek. I'm a Catholic. I love her as a Catholic nun. I like her as a gypsy and ghost talking to Patrick Swayze. I love her. And then all of a sudden, maybe because she fell on hard times, she shows up on The View taking the old Rosie O'Donnell seat. And now I've got to, I, 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 I know every thought. Uh, everything in the world, Whoopi has to weigh in on everything. And quite frankly, I didn't need to know that. I didn't need to know ever. I didn't need to know what Whoopi thought of global warming and this and that. There's a section of the book in the sports section. It's called Kobe Bryant, Our Last Unwoke NBA Star. We were going to get into that. Go for it. Yeah. And look, I'm from Philly. I saw Kobe in person at a Christmas tournament when I was 16. I mean, the dude, he was their point guard and he was jumping center. Right. And and uh, outside of Philly, um, Lower Marion High School. And the thing about Kobe was, uh, even though he was a Laker, we knew he was a Phillies and Eagles and Flyers fan. Um, but what we never knew was what he thought about anything and everything that's going on in the culture. Right. There wasn't this publicist, left wing, woke stream of consciousness about everything like we get from LeBron. Now, he followed, you know, Kobe was following in Michael Jordan's lead, right? Like, okay, Republicans buy sneakers too. Right. You know, I'm a businessman. I'm a, I'm a, I want to be a global brand. I don't want to be a woke Chinese brand like LeBron. Um, and the thing with Whoopi uh, is, you know, now I know everything about her. And it's a shame because I, I would prefer not to. So that's the thing is that wokeism has gotten burrowed in like termites. And a lot of it, I got to say, as a publicist of some fairly famous people, um, it really is 
a lot of it is what the publicists are telling these guys to say. Um, you know, I haven't drilled in too deep on this. No one's really asked me that. I've been thinking about it more lately because I, I, I see some of the stuff that goes on and I'm like, they're not, I mean, you know, I mean, let's, let's face it, you know, Whoopi Goldberg's not Ben Carson or Thomas Sowell. So this stuff's, this stuff's being put in front of her and she's just reading from the song sheet. It's funny. I saw Stacey Abrams and others come out and say, um, black males in Georgia are being tricked by campaign ads that Camp and Walker are running. They can't, it's amazing. They can't differentiate what's real and what isn't. We need to help the black males of Georgia understand what reality is. I mean, first of all, this is the most condescending statement. No one sees it as that, except people on the right. Oh, they can, they're too dumb. They can't figure it out. It's insane. And then I see a tweet by LeBron telling all the people of Georgia to vote for Stacey Abrams and Warnock. And I'm thinking to myself, this is to try to get black males, peel them off of her. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this whole thing's being coordinated. You know, LeBron, can you send a tweet? You know, what publicists talking to the Abrams campaign. This stuff is interconnected. That's just one example. It happened yesterday. So I'm just, that's the reason I'm bringing it up. Um, but this is, this is real. They really are inside the systems. Um, it's taken them a long time. Uh, but I don't think, re look, Gary, we do this for a living. We write books, we host shows, we're out there, we're in the mix. But I, I just don't think the American people, the regular folks, uh, they don't want to be told, you know, white people are all this and black people are all that. And the country was founded by Klansmen. And, you know, Jamestown was, a, you know, a, the, the, the peak of white supremacy. And, and, and you know, let's let Steve and, Ga and Bill and Dave and, and whoever into the women's locker room. And, you know, my, my, my daughter uh, plays softball and there's a man pitching to her. <laughs> I, I just don't think they want this. Um, AJ, I yeah. have to stop you right there for this reason. I didn't think they wanted this until last night. And here's what's scaring me that I'd like you to comment on. When Biden got control and when they got back in and they've been running this socialist, Marxist, communist, whatever you want to call it, agenda and trying to cramming it down our patriotic throats. And we're watching all of these progressive, far left agenda, green, climate change, everything, the, the, the weaponization of the, you know, of uh, IRS, the virus, everything that they've used, getting rid of God from uh, the workplace, the schools, the government, every, just everything that they've done to try and take us into what you had said, what started with Karl Marx would have been a Marxist revolution, which, as you know, Antonio Gramsci, He's yeah. the one that turned it into the culture. So cultural Marxism, this is what we're talking about, about wokeness and cancel culture. I thought, just like I thought after four years of Obama, that our electorate after four years of Obama would say, no, never again. And I thought after two years of Biden, two years of inflation, two years of high gas prices, two years of all this, as Monica says, what the bull bleep is going on. I thought last night we would have risen up and said, this is what, we've been silent because you know, you're know you trying to smack us down and you target us if we come out and say something. 
But now we get to go in when nobody's watching and tell you what we think of you. And what scares me is after two years of going down a communist rabbit hole, it seems to me like too many Americans said, ah, I could live with this. And before you answer, I want to tell you something that one of my college educated former black friends said to me when I was trying to convince him what was going on and why he should vote for Trump. And I told him the Democrats are, are Marxists leading us to socialism, which will turn into communism. His comment, quote, I would rather live under communism than, uh, than have a racist president like Trump. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I mean, there are people that have made that calculation. Um, they would probably accept all kinds of tyranny. Um, but look, the votes aren't totally counted yet. The Senate, I mean, the Republicans had to defend a lot of places last night. And they, they whereas in two years, the, the map looks better. Yes. Um, it does. I'm the most unnerved by Georgia and Arizona. Absolutely. Because okay? I'm from Philly, and I told people in 16 that we caught them flat-footed. I've fought the Democrat Party machine in Philadelphia and in the suburbs. If somehow Trump had, had figured out how to trigger a win in Illinois, four years later, there's no way in hell Chicago would have allowed that to happen two times in a row. We used to call Pennsylvania fool's gold for Republicans thinking they could win there. You know, and and the idea that and look, there's some shenanigans going on in Delaware County and Montgomery County and Chester County around Philadelphia. I mean, we'll, we'll see. It's going to you know, hope the Republicans aren't just going to be quiet about that. Um, but I'm, I'm not shocked about P.A. Uh, Dr. Oz might have had some problems Toomey probably would have gotten reelected if he'd have ran again. So there is a type of conservative that can win in PA. Um, I, I, you know, it's, but Georgia and Arizona scare me the most. But tell you why. The plan all along was to flip Texas. That we would, uh, Democrat plan. That uh -huh. if, they would, if they would flood the zone with a bunch of Catholics that work really hard, <laughs> that, they, that they would want free stuff more than freedom, and that Hispanics in Texas would give them a lock Forever, because they'd have California, they'd have Texas, they wouldn't need anything else. Well, it looks like they don't need Texas if they can flip Arizona and Georgia. Because you're talking about the Electoral College, you're pretty much there. If you've got them, and you've got Michigan and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, you don't need Ohio and Florida. You don't need it. you got a new map. So, and Ohio and Florida look solidly red. So, that scares me. On the bigger question, um, the Democrats that squeaked out last night, that were in these purple places, they did not run on wokeism. So to sort of push back a little bit on what you're saying, like Slotkin in Michigan and Spanberger mm -hmm. in Virginia, they were, they were making appearances on Fox News. They were making appearances, some of them, on Newsmax. They were, they were basically – and look, this is, how, <laughs> I mean, this is how Bill Clinton and Jimmy Carter won. They lie. They lie. They, they, they put up this front. I'm going to stand up to Pelosi. I'm a, I'm a purple. I'm where there's a purple district. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Kool-Aid drinker. I mean, mansion, mansion and cinema play this game. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, so 
that's what you got in a few of these places um, that you thought you could have been able to flip. You know, trying to flip Northern Virginia, Fairfax County, Loudoun County, that's really tough. But it looks like Hung Cal, Vietnamese guy, got within three percentage points. Um, so, look, the votes are there. They're there for a statewide uh, race. I mean, Youngkin did win in Virginia against Terry McCullough. And they look, they came into Virginia and every other word, Trump this, Trump, 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 Trump. And it didn't work. Um, so, look, I, w- I would not say that, uh, you know, wokeism was was uh, was on the ballot. And the Democrats that pulled it out were running away from it. They weren't running towards it. You know, the squad, they're all in safe districts. So they can act as crazy as they want and they don't get judged. Right. But uh, look, um, there was a lot of things apparently that were out there where certain blame was being tossed around. You know, Trump's presence is emotional for everyone, left and right. Um, you know, and, and I, I'm, I just don't believe that this phony abortion doesn't seem yet to have had an effect. Right. Um, Maybe. And this, I, yeah. and this democracy crap about, you know, Robert E. Lee's army's coming and they're going to burn the Capitol. I mean, that that people seem to have not cared too much about that. Um, let's see how big the majority is, because I think they haven't called it yet um, at the time of this taping. But I, I would just say that, you know, they're there. I think McCar- McCarthy will probably be the Speaker of the House. It might be slim. Um and we're just going to have to figure out going forward, do you want to win big two years from now? And what are the what are the the proactive lessons of last night? Is DeSantis the future the way the New York Post is saying? I mean, there's a there's a 800 pound, you know, Godzilla in Mar-a-Lago that doesn't think so. So we'll see. Yeah. And but and one of the things I think DeSantis has a very good chance to be the future. I'm not sure that future is now. You you live you you you're in D.C. and you're in where my former wife lives in uh, Northern Virginia. Uh, the the thing is, you know that Beltway and you know that Washington establishment. I'm not sure, you know that the that the, the playing field has been leveled enough to throw DeSantis in there. Trump was trying to clean that stuff out. It hasn't worked yet. There's some huge problems there. So as you know, so I'm I I don't, I'm not sure it's DeSantis's time yet. But I do want to address what you said about Georgia and Arizona. I agree with you 100 percent. And the problem that both of those two states had, the voting, uh, election fraud, early balloting, and those machines, and it's not the machines because the machines are just machines. It's the software inside of the machines and the way they go about counting. And those two states, we saw it last night again, Maricopa County, in spite of everybody and all the guests I've had on and all the stuff you've said and Monica and Lauren, everybody talking about what's going on or right away, something's wrong with the machines. Look, I, I went into a central Virginia voting uh, place yesterday and I had basically filled out a Scantron. Um, like it was, you know, 11th grade social studies. Um, and I put, I walked up to this machine and I got to tell you, you know, we've got we've got some of the greatest technology on earth doing all kinds of other things. We've got ring doorbells, we've got Starlink satellites beaming cell service into third world countries. 
And I walked up to this voting machine to put this Scantron through it. And Gary, I swear to God, it looked like a Rubbermaid trash can with a Texas Instruments uh, calculator staple gun to the lid from 1987. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it looked like. And I'm thinking to myself, well, this looks safe. <laughs> this could be a freaking paper shredder for all I know. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it, it's a problem. It's a problem. I don't know. I mean, you know, smarter people than me, I guess we'll try to figure out how to fix it. But it's funny. It, and I said it after 2020, the shenanigans only take place in the places that they need to. Not a lot of shenanigans going on in Vermont and Kansas, right? No, no, no. Only the ones that deliver the things they want. It's just amazing. We have not gotten our act together. It's an embarrassment. And, you know, people are going to be disenfranchised. They are. I mean, look, you know, I talked about earlier the two, the two groups um, so far, the, the let's move past Trump and back the Santos group. And then you have the technocrats that said, you know, this really wasn't a referendum on anyone. It's a referendum on how these districts are being drawn now. There's a third group out there, and I'm sure they're members of this audience, and they're my clients. Um, if you are listening to Lindell TV or Infowars or uh, you know Emerald Robinson or you know people that you know that are on the war room uh, with Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon, there, right? There's a whole group of people right now that basically are saying you were never going to win last night. The idea that you thought you were going to win. Is insane. You're never. This is over. None of these votes are real. None of these states' election. You know, the elections are not real. Nothing's been fixed in the last two years. That this is all a red mirage. That the media gets Republicans mind blank. You know, effed, thinking that things are fair. Kind of like watching pro wrestling. That's and, what I wanted you to bring up about yeah. how pro wrestling. I that has been my thing for years. Can I just say one thing? I was a big pro wrestling fan before it really got raunchy. Back in the day with Bruno San Martino, the Sheik was my favorite guy back in the 60s. And so I used to go to wrestling matches. I remember, you know, I, I grew up in New Jersey, so I used to go to Madison Square Garden. And then when I went to Ohio University, it'd be a big match. We go, you know, and I remember going to the Toledo Arena, I think. And, and you know, the guys, you know, beat each other in the head with chairs, kill each other. And then we went into a bar after the match, and the guys, both the good guy and the bad guy, they just got through tearing each other, sitting at a table, eating steak, drinking a beer, and having a good laugh. And that's how I see these two sides. They fight back and forth, they beat each other with a chair, and then they, they go out and have a, have a drink. Well, here's what I'll say. Um, the elites on both sides do that. Yes. Um, look, I'm here. I see them in restaurants. I, but I will tell you, you know, Ted Cruz isn't hanging out with, you know, Elizabeth Warren. Agreed. That's not happening. Um, you know, things, I've got a theory on this. Reagan was able to hang out with Tip O'Neill. People said that that was an era of bipartisanship. As an Irish Catholic guy, I'll tell you, it was an era of Irish bipartisanship because you know, Tip's a Catholic and, and Reagan's a Protestant, but they're both from the Republic, you know, and they would have some fun that way. They AJ, AJ, can you, along this line, sorry for cutting, can you explain Scalia and Ruth Buzzy Ginsburg to me? Well, I mean, they had a bunch of uh, passions, similar passions. 
I shouldn't call her Buzzy, but I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the notorious uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Well, look, they apparently what brought them together was love of an of Italian opera. If you can believe it. Scalia, look, these are they were both these are thinkers. They're Renaissance people. They arrive at different conclusions about um, the Constitution. But the things they filled their their life with were similar. Good food, good wine, good opera, museums. I met I never met uh, RBG, but I, I met Scalia a couple times um, because of Ingram. Uh, and Ingram clerked for, Clerk, for Clarence, yeah. for Clarence mm-hmm. Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. So I've met Thomas the most. Um, and then probably Kavanaugh, uh, because Laura's been friends with him for a long time. And, you know, uh, there, there was a camaraderie there. Some of that's going away, too, even on the Supreme Court. I mean, obviously, someone leaked the Dobbs decision, right? So, you know, there's a sleeper cell at the, at the Supreme Court that's mm-hmm. going to leak decisions when they're big. So, um, but back to Reagan and Tip O'Neill, I mean, they got along. Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton really didn't get along. Um, and I think 98, the impeachment of Clinton is when things started to really deteriorate because then you had the 2000 recount, you had the post 9-11 Bush wars, Obama was a lightning rod, Trump's a Godzilla. And that brings us to today where that's gone. Uh, people are not hanging out. People are not dating each other. Mm. And there's, look, this wasn't supposed to be like this. Um, we're supposed to, you know, supposed to have sort of a common American creed about us. Uh, the left fought against separate but equal, rightly so. And now they want to institute separate but unequal. They want to just sort of re-engineer old fights with new labels, um, you know, where, you know, white people don't get hired here. or White people get fired first, like in the Minneapolis public school system. Right. So. Conservatives have to create their own schools, their own TV channels, their own social media platforms. I mean, we are separating from each other to some degree. Um, but and it wasn't supposed to be like that. It just wasn't. I mean, I know people that love basketball, but they're just never going to watch an NBA game again uh, because of the I don't blame them. <laughs> because of the crazy crap that LeBron yeah. and KD and you know, look, LeBron James and Kevin Durant. I mean. These are not the brightest bulbs out there. I mean, they're they're and 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 the entertainment industry in general. I don't care whether it's Disney or the NBA. I I, I think they're willing. Look, Jimmy Kimmel a couple of weeks ago said, and he's on ABC. ABC's owned by Disney. He said, he says I was willing to lose half my audience to rip Trump and to rip Trump voters. That's a huge admission. That means it's not about business. It's not about money. They don't care if you vote with your wallet. So when LeBron uh, admonishes the Houston Rockets general manager Mm -hmm. for standing up for Hong Kong protesters, and LeBron's worried about his Space Jam movie premiering in China. There you go. I think Disney, the NBA, LeBron James, and whoever else, I think they're willing to lose this audience, Rice, Gary, they're, they're willing to lose all of us because they can replace us as customers with 1.3 billion Chinese people. Hey, you're right. And, and, and uh, uh, a long time ago, a revolutionary, one of the radicals of the 60s said, 
it's never about the issues. It's always about the revolution. And that's what this is about for a lot of these people. And along those lines, my final question to you, we always do a mic drop with a lot of guests. You know what a mic drop is. So I'm going to say one word and drop the mic and uh, I'm going to go lay down and let you freestyle. And the one word ties into exactly what you were just talking about. And that word is, I'll do this the way Donald Trump would do it, China. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we are in right now. It's a cold war, but it could get hot. I got to tell you, um, if I were the Chinese, I'd be sailing a submarine into San Francisco Harbor right now. I'm shocked that they haven't made a move on Taiwan. There's a big section of the Woking Dead about, about China. And I will say this, the, the, the American people, especially the youth, they have been bombarded, really even predating COVID, predating Trump. The Me Too movement told the youth of America that they're all predators, that they're all potential rapists. You can't ask Sally to the prom. You can't ask the barista that you see every morning when you're going to work out for a drink. Can't say hello to someone on an elevator. So masculinity has got to be taken down a notch. Then COVID shows up and we're all locked down. The children are sent home. They're remote learning. And Gen Z in particular, they, they were born with a, a smartphone in their hand. They already didn't have very good communication skills. So now they're a rapist, and now they're a drone at home learning remotely. And then Memorial Day comes along while they're locked down, and the patron saint of fentanyl, George Floyd, dies, and it was a horrible thing. The video's horrible. The cop was a schmuck. George Floyd's not the greatest African-American in, Amer in history, okay? I'm sorry, all right? <laughs> and, and all hell breaks loose. Now we're all racist. So we're already, we're all sexist uh, predators. We're locked down. Now we're racist too. And all the COVID lockdown rules, they go out the window as long as you go after the Confederate general statues. And then when you're done with the <laughs> Confederate generals, you can move to the Union generals and the War of 1812 generals. And you can go after Columbus and Thatcher and Churchill, statues of you, Gary, statues of me. They're all coming down. And then you have this crazy election and we all lose faith in, in the elections, good or bad. And if you audited these elections, you would have an answer. You'd be able to shut up the Trump people that think it's rigged. Or you would discover that it really was rigged. rigged. But they didn't want that. And now the reanimated corpse in the White House, the meat puppet, the leader of the Woking Dead, Joe Biden, shuffling around in his in his slippers we've now got a financial crisis and it's only going to get worse it's only going to get worse it's and and the markets you know they'll move around a little bit but inflation is soaking the middle class um so look we have to fight back for the youth we have to take back our culture there's a lot of incoming but i have hope uh, the midterms might not have been the biggest tidal wave as we wanted, but it's always, you know, darkest before the dawn. I think we can raise up. We might have to do a little soul searching, not because we don't love Trump, but because, you know, we, 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 winning is everything. And he does bring a lot of emotion to the table. And I love him to death. And I'll, I'm a ride or die MAGA person. Um, 
But I think the American people will sort that out. You know, we'll 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 see what happens. We'll see if DeSantis wants to step out there and and take on you know Godzilla. Um, but I think people should get a copy of The Walking Dead. The holidays are coming. You know, all the little skulls full of mush that the humanities departments across America are manipulating your your nephew or your niece. Get them a copy because it's funny. The book is fun. It is. It's it not is. a Aristotelian preacher session, right? We have fun. We hang jokes on people. Um, and look, it's it's an easy read. You know, I'm part of the uh, you know short attention span theater generation, so you can jump around. You don't have to read it cover to cover. And you know, sometimes it's better to just bring some joy back into your life and laugh about things, even if it's gallows humor, right? As we slowly try to take back the country. I hear you. AJ, you said something. I can't let you go without telling people about the meat president. What you mean by Biden as the, uh, the, meat puppet. Know, the puppet, the meat puppet. No, I mean, he is dancing on the strings for somebody. It could be the deep state, could be the globalists. It could be Ron Klain and Susan Rice. No relation, by the way. Um, but he's dancing with someone. He does not have command. I mean, he's He's falling off bikes. He's reading the teleprompter like Ron Burgundy. He has he doesn't have control now. You know, it wasn't as devastating as it could have been for the Democrats in the midterms. So they may be looking to replace him with someone, you know, Um, or they might say to themselves, you know, he's an empty vessel. He's a trash can that we can fill with woke potpourri and we'll just stick with him, you know, until he, you know, sort of. Looks like Michael Corleone at the end of The Godfather Part 3. I hear you. AJ, tell people about your Publius PR firm and also tell them how they can reach you and anything you'd like to promote. Look, we um, we represent a lot of clients. There, there's Some are stars, big stars, names you know, but a lot of names that you you might not have known um, until we came along. We, we've raised the profile of a lot of conservatives. So if you're a writer, uh, nonfiction and fiction, um, we can help get you, book you on shows. Uh, it's a high bar to get on Gary's show, but there's a lot of, <laughs> right. there's a lot of, there's a lot of other shows out there that, that aren't as prestigious, but I will tell you, you know, we're all in this fight together. So if you have a group, you can go to publiuspr.com. If you want to get the book, it's everywhere books are sold, going fast. But you can also go to wokingdeadbook.com and you can find out more about the book and me and the PR firm as well. AJ, thank you for coming on. You've, you've spread a wealth of knowledge. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and thank you for so much for uh, the guests. As I said, so far, it's been uh, Naomi Wolf, uh, Ben Carson, and Peter Navarro. Uh, they were all wonderful. You've been outstanding. I'll definitely have you back on. Thank you for what you do and for your non-wavering desire for truth. So uh, God bless you and God bless your family. Thank you, brother. Look, you're a patriot. You've got an audience of patriots. Let's keep fighting. Don't don't let people uh, you know hold you down. Just keep moving. Keep moving the ball forward. We're gonna march from the one yard line to the end zone starting today. I hear you, and I say the same to you. Do not let them grind you down. Once again, everybody, Mr. A.J. Rice. Among the many many people who commented about AJ's book are Laura Ingram and Monica Crowley, who we spoke of. Said Laura Ingram, 
host of the Ingram Angle on Fox News. At last, my former radio executive producer, A.J. Rice, unleashed a must-read takedown of the cultural and political forces ramaging across America and a sharp, incisive primer on how we can defeat them. Said Monica Crowley, quote, in The Woking Dead, my former executive producer, A.J. Rice, nails the cultural madness and dark manipulations of the radical left as few others do or can, with smarts, humor, and refreshing common sense. A must-read for those who care about the precarious state of our beloved America today. People, we can't defeat what we aren't aware of. So I want to thank A.J. Rice for waking us up to yet another layer of wokeness that's infecting our nation. Be aware and dare to speak out. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the show. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for listening in. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.